0: Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on today's show is a contributing editor to the magazine and a longtime friend, John McGinnis. John is the George C. Dix Professor in Constitutional Law at Northwestern University, where he's taught since 2002. And he's the author, most recently, of Accelerating Democracy, Transforming Government Through Technology. Professor McGinnis has written two recent pieces for City Journal, over the last month that have garnered a lot of attention, the first on the looming fiscal disaster in the state of Illinois, and the second on the outbreak of looting and vandalism in Chicago's most important shopping district just over a week ago. John, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Glad to be here, Brian.
0: Uh, First off, it's been a while since we've talked about Illinois, a great state here on the podcast. Uh, I know we have a lot of readers and listeners there. So I'm glad we we could have this discussion. Illinois, you wrote in the first of those two pieces I mentioned, is in awful economic shape post-pandemic, compared to its neighbors, Indiana and Wisconsin. It's it's really seemed like it's been heading though in the wrong direction for at least a a decade with higher taxes, uh, more extensive regulation. But before we get into some of those problems, Maybe you could just give us an update on some of the politics in the state, Uh, you know, with Governor Pritzker, who is a Democrat in his second year in office after defeating Republican Bruce Rauner. How is he doing and what are some of the problems you see with the state?
1: Well, Governor uh, Pritzker, to be fair, inherited a difficult uh, situation, uh, difficult uh, to... um for anyone to come in because there was a long time, there is still a long time, Speaker of the House, who's controlled in many ways, Illinois politics for three or four uh, decades.
0: This is uh, Mike Madigan.
1: Michael Madigan, and now he's under investigation for bribery, Uh, but he is really the source of a kind of machine politics in Springfield, which is the capital of Illinois and he's uh, very close to the public sector unions uh, of the state and what's happened is that they have put an enormous amount of um, of uh, exactions on the state both in terms of pensions and also actually in terms of a lack of discipline of their workers which actually will set the stage uh, for some of the problems we've had in uh chicago so he's really very much uh Responsible, I think, more than any other single politician. Pritzker's only been in office for uh, a year and a half, but Pritzker has done nothing to change the direction of the state. He's made no uh, substantial reforms on the greatest problem of pensions. Moreover, if the state is, uh, as it is, is facing a huge uh, financial hole because of pensions, the only possibility of um, of success. Uh, is to um, uh, have very high economic growth rates in the state, as well as shedding some of the pension burdens. And he's done nothing uh, to improve the regulatory climate. Indeed, his one idea is to in, to bring in a progressive tax. At the moment, uh, the Illinois Constitution requires a flat tax, and that's uh, uh, been some constraint on income taxes. But uh, uh, the governor's main proposal in his entire... <laughs> Uh, term so far has been to put on the ballot a constitutional proposal uh, to do away with that. Uh, And uh, that's just going to increase uh, taxes, particularly on the most productive uh, citizens. So while he's not responsible for uh, the fiscal problems here, uh, his policies have done nothing to arrest them. And indeed, his signature proposal is likely to accelerate uh, the losing of the most uh, productive citizens in Illinois.
0: At City Journal, we write an awful lot about some of the more unglamorous parts of state and local government, uh, including what you just referenced, uh, pension liabilities and unfunded pension liabilities. How grave is Illinois' problem in this regard?
1: Well, it's uh, one of the gravest in the United States. Uh, We really are funded only at around 35%. Uh, uh of the our obligations and the obligations because we're a large state are very large um, uh and so it's uh around depending on how you look at it uh we're uh in third uh place in terms of uh the unfunded liabilities uh but because of our other problems because we actually don't have a very good regulatory climate for businesses that makes it all the worse. So we actually have the worst uh, um, bond ratings of any state in the nation. And that, I think, takes account of two things. One, our unfunded uh, obligations, but on the other side, our dim prospects for economic growth. That's the one-two punch that puts Illinois in such a dreadful uh, position and makes it imperative that we have some of the kind of reforms the neighboring states have undertaken, uh, like, like well, Wisconsin and Indiana. Uh, but the, the governor says no sign of doing anything like that. It's a particular problem, of course, because when he raises taxes, uh, those borders are very close to ours and some of the businesses, no doubt, can easily uh, move, move uh, a, a few 100 miles or less than that uh, and take advantage of those states which are on an upswing.
0: What would it take to reform the the pension system there? There are state constitutional constraints, right?
1: Well, there are state constitutional constraints, and uh, uh, the Supreme Court here, uh, not, I think, a very distinguished uh, body, has ruled in a very um, uh, difficult way for any reforms, and so that is a, a substantial obstacle. Of course, if the governor were to get behind some kind of compromise, Uh, you might be able to reform uh, the Constitution. After all, there are relatively, even now, there's not a majority of people who benefit from these uh, pensions and you could have a structure in which um, uh, people who are very close to retirement still get essentially what uh, uh, their uh, uh, promise, but then cost of living uh, matters are adjusted for people who are farther away from retirement and we move people to a 401 k a situation, the kind of things that uh, corporations do. That kind of compromise, I think, could be uh, put on the table by a, um, a, a, a governor who is really willing to work uh, for, for it. And maybe even then he, he might try to compromise that and have some um, uh, tax increases, maybe even a progressive tax increase in combination with these things. But he's done nothing like that. He is not addressing the sources of the problem uh, at all. And just uh, creating uh, a structure in which is going to make it harder to grow. So, in some sense, uh, this, the prospects for the state are, are quite hopeless in the way that if you don't change either the pension obligations or the rate of economic growth, there's no way uh, that the uh, state is going to grow out of its economic hole. And, and the governor has done nothing on either front.
0: Moving on to Chicago, uh, many Americans, including Apparently, the city's mayor uh, woke up last Monday uh, to find out that vandals had ransacked the Magnificent Mile, as it's called, looting stores, causing mayhem and violence in the downtown area. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that chaos and what led up to it?
1: Well, it's uh, really very significant. And let me tie it into the previous discussion. Of course, one prerequisite for economic growth is a sense of security and chicago uh is the um uh, main driver of economic growth in uh, illinois it's by far the biggest city it's the biggest city in the midwest uh it's uh, a central in some sense the capital of the midwest so and the looting took place in the most um uh, the place with the highest end shopping districts where uh places where people thought They were safe beforehand, unlike some other uh, parts of uh, Chicago. And again, uh, Chicago is the heart of economic uh, growth of Illinois. The parts struck here are the economic growth of Chicago. So this is very relevant to our uh, first uh, discussion. And sadly, what happened here, in my view, was that, again, we have a failure of political leadership on multiple levels. We have the... um, uh, the, um, uh, the attorney, uh, essentially the state's attorney, which is essentially the district attorney for Cook County uh, to translate it into terms that others may understand, has pursued a policy which has given an impression to people of impunity uh, for stealing. She's raised the threshold to being charged with a felony for shoplifting to $1,000. So up to $1,000, you can be charged, but just with uh, misdemeanor, with, I think, very little likelihood of being put in jail. Uh, And so that's a problem. That's been even a problem before uh, this. But of course, it gives a sense to people that uh, the city isn't really going to uh, crack down on stealing. It's uh, it's at least a yellow light uh, for looting. The mayor um, uh, uh, has also contributed to this. for instance, uh, there were uh, attacks on uh, some statutes of Christopher Columbus, really attacks by radical uh, leftists who uh, confronted police trying to tear these statutes down. And I know I think all cities should be able to decide what their statute should be put up. But it's a disaster to take them down in the dead of night, as was what the mayor ordered, Was it seems to be giving in to mobs. And again, that gives this kind of culture Uh, of impunity. Uh, And uh, then uh, the governor also has not helped. Uh, He hasn't really spoken out sharply against looting, and he made just dreadful mistakes in a first round of looting we had. Again, to set the stage for this round of looting, there was a first round of looting uh, in which the governor called out the National Guard um, to protect the downtown after it had been looted, but didn't extend that uh, to uh, other parts of Chicago and the suburbs, which were looted right afterwards. So it was a kind of keystone cops operation that, again, doesn't give uh, people who are criminals a sense that they're likely in, uh, at, at risk if they continue to engage in their criminal activities. So at every level of government, we've had mistakes uh, that have, sadly have incentivized the worst elements of uh, society, because there's no doubt this was not a protest. This was organized looting. People came in trucks to take things away. They had uh, uh, crowbars to pry open uh, the uh, doors and the barriers that uh, faced them, uh, and the police were completely uh, overmanned. Uh, And uh, so this is a a disaster uh, for Chicago. It's a disaster for Chicago, not only, of course, for these uh, merchants who've lost money, uh, but the sense of insecurity uh, that people in the, uh, as it were, in the engine room of Chicago's economic growth now feel.
0: You describe it as a culture of impunity, and that's a, a striking phrase. Um, the you mentioned the police, the the problem the city is having with violence, with shootings, uh, is pretty significant, and we're seeing that now here in New York as well, with an enormous uptick in. In shootings and murders uh, over the last several months, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, Chicago's sort of ongoing struggle with crime.
1: Uh, well, it's uh, it's really quite un- unfortunate. Um, what has happened is that uh, before this looting, which, as I say, was uh, struck uh, organized and was in the, uh, in some sense, the most wealthiest sections of town. Uh, The high crime districts, which are in the poorer section of town, have become higher crime. And uh, I think there are a whole variety of reasons for that. Uh, The police, I think, have been overstretched. Uh, I think they also don't feel, I think they're also very cautious because of fears of claims of uh, police uh, brutality. But more generally, I think this this is like broken windows on steroids, as it were. Uh, once you've seen a uh, structure of looting where people are taking things and there are, don't seem to be many consequences, because again, I didn't emphasize this in the first round of looting, the um, uh, the district attorney has been uh, criticized even for the police by not bringing sufficient uh, charges against some of the people the police caught. And that gives uh, incentives to people. I mean, if broken windows, the, of course, the idea familiar to your listeners that small um, allowing small infractions and uh, disorder uh, to proliferate uh, encourages larger disorder and, and and serious crime. Well, this was serious crime that seems to not get a response. It doesn't. It not only doesn't get a um, uh, as much of a response through the district attorney, but it didn't get as much of a rhetorical response. Uh, through the mayor's office um, uh, and the governor's office who don't spend their time denouncing looters. The governor has spent more of it, much more time energy saying insurers aren't paying people enough for, uh, and fast enough for the, uh, for the uh, amount that's been looted. That's been his primary focus rather than denouncing the looters rather than to giving, giving some sense to the expressive voice of outrage of the community. Uh, and so again, the leaders have failed us uh, in just a striking manner at every level of government.
0: Do you see uh, any growing recognition on the part of voters uh, that there is this breakdown in political leadership, and that maybe we, you know, Chicagoans and and residents of Illinois need new leaders?
1: I don't know. It's hard to know. I'm in a university. I think I would <laughs> see that. Uh, last of all because uh, university professors are both insulated and very confident of their uh, views even if they are shown to be not entirely correct but i do think there's a kind of grim logic of urban politics so uh particularly in in left liberal cities like chicago i mean most people vote uh actually i think to express them their view about themselves after all they that's what they have to live with they live with their own psychodramas as it were and so, for most of the time, they want to express themselves as good people, and I think in Chicago that means being electing progressive people, people of identity politics. Our mayor happens to be uh, a woman, black. I, th- I think also uh, a lesbian. All of these things uh, suggest uh, kind of open-mindedness, uh, and that's the reason I think they vote. She also, knows uh, you know, is a very went to Harvard Law School. He's sort of one of them, in, in, as it were. Uh, the district attorney uh, promised to uh, reform uh, the justice uh, system and not have so many uh, people be put in jail. I think that makes people feel good as well. Um, uh, and so these are expressive reasons for voting. Uh, and really, um, it's only when there are bad consequences do people sort of rethink these things. And maybe it's maybe this is a problem with urban democracy it's only uh, in a crisis when the consequences harm people's property values, make them feel unsafe, that they'll rethink their voting patterns in terms of the consequences rather than in expressing themselves themselves as their idea of of what makes them a good person, which is an open, tolerant person who's really very concerned about the less uh, well-off, even though, of course, some of these policies have even the worst effects on uh, uh, poorer people even than themselves, but uh, so I think there is that feedback loop that we may see. Of course, uh, your listeners, particularly in New York, we're very familiar with that in the context of New York City, as you may remember, when um, uh, Koch was Ed Koch was defeated in the in the primary um, for um, uh, a mayor. By uh, David Dinkins, a much more left-liberal candidate, he said, uh, uh, "The voters have spoken; they must be punished." <laughs> and uh, that's, I think, a very wise remark. It shows that there's a kind of two-way street of electoral politics, right? We all we hold we try to hold our leaders accountable, but ultimately, voters need to be held accountable for their own votes. And voters, in some sense, because their vote doesn't isn't gonna make a difference in any election. They vote irresponsibly unless there's a crisis. So that's, alas, the only silver lining that I see in Chicago, uh, uh, that this may wake up the woke.
0: Well, thank you very much, John. Don't forget to check out John McGuinness's work at City Journal. His latest piece is called When Authority Vanishes, and it's about Chicago. You can find it on our website, wwwcity and we'll link to it in the description. Make sure you follow City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal, and on Instagram, at cityjournal underscore mi. And as always, if you like what you've heard, give us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and thanks again very much, John McGinnis, for joining us. I was delighted to be here.